Hello everyone, I'm Matt Williamson. Good to chat with you again. Yesterday was a big day for me. We uh, <laughs> Warren Sharp released his almanac, his preview, and really dug into the Steelers. I'm going to be pulling out nuggets from there for the next couple months, probably from now until opening day. Uh, nerd alert, sorry, but I'm going to start today with this one too, is they did a penalty analysis of every team. And some of the teams is not noteworthy, but the Steelers I thought was very noteworthy and certainly paints Tomlin in, in, in a good light. So they, they, they break them into three categories, the good, the bad, and then they give them a grade and just kind of talk about it. But there's some really interesting things here. So let me read it and we'll, you know, as we often do, we'll read through it and talk through it as we go. But here we go. The Steelers averaged 6.3 penalties per game over the first eight games of the, of the 2022 season. They lowered this to just 4.7 per game over the final nine games. And as you guys know, they went seven and two down the stretch in those contests. Now, one has something to do with the other, but it's not the only reason, of course. The offense was a top five per play beneficiary of passing play penalties. The two areas that put them in the upper tier were defensive pass interference and roughing the passer. Rookie Kenny Pickett was the beneficiary of four roughing the passer penalties in just 13 starts. I wonder, I mean, again, I'm speculating, if you're the, especially the Bengals, Ravens, Browns, and you're playing the rookie, maybe you want to take an extra liberty, you know what I mean? Like, welcome to the NFL moment with the rook, see how he handles it, that type of thing. Maybe, who knows? But I thought this was really interesting. The Steelers had the best receiver duo at drawing defensive pass interference penalties in 2022. Deontay Johnson and George Pickens led the NFL in that category. Any pair of receivers, this is particularly impressive considering Pittsburgh rarely threw the ball in the first five weeks of the season with Mitch Trubisky at the quarterback. You, know, you would think Tampa Bay with Brady would be number one because they led the league in attempts by a wide, wide margin. So two nuggets there. First off, I think it's a feather in the cap of Pickens and Johnson. So if you're, you know, getting pass interference calls, it's usually because you won, you know, and you don't get to see those stats. Obviously, they're not on, you know, they don't show up at the end there. But I also think something had to do with the two with all the go calls, you know, go routes that, that Matt Canada called too. You're probably more likely to get a. PI. I'm not even sure about that. I'm just speculating again on a deep throw than a quick hitter. Maybe. I mean, maybe not. I'm just kind of think what could explain that away. But basically, I think it's a feather in the cap of the two receivers. Um, here we go. The defense was one of the least penalized in key passing play penalty categories. They weighed, they ranked 28th in penalty yards per game against the four in the four top categories that they I'm not sure exactly what they are. My apologies. Uh, perhaps even more impressive is, on average, they allowed just 8.1 yards per infraction. So if you're going to commit a penalty on a passing play, it's better not to give up a lot of yards. You know, so the Steelers, opposite to their opponent, were not 50 yards downfield dragging guys down, that type of things. On a side note, Pittsburgh was one of only four teams not to have an illegal contact penalty assessed against them the entire season. Okay, you know, big deal. Here's some of the bad stuff they did penalty wise, which I think might get cleaned up. The offense was the offense was the second highest penalized for ineligible 
pass ineligible downfield pass penalties in 2022. They should improve in this department next season as Pickett gains experience and has his first season as the unquestioned starter. Yeah, there could be some quarterback new to the league type things. You know, gonna, you know mo- most of these downfield penalties are on RPOs and the linemen don't know if it's out yet and maybe he holds it a pulse too long or something along those lines. And I wonder who the culprits were most often. And I don't mean to pick on Kevin Dotson, but I thought there were a lot of mental errors from him last year. And there's a reason that he's been benched more or less. I wonder if he's a big culprit of them. I bet they were. The Steelers were also co-leaders with the Raiders for unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Um, So they were at the top of the league there. This is the bad. Pittsburgh was penalized approximately 25% higher rate on the road than at home. Uh, they, they say, oh, this is a positive next year because the Steelers have nine home games as opposed to last year when they had nine on the road. I don't know. I mean, is there home cooking at AccuSure? I don't know. Is that a trend for the whole league? I don't know. Probably not. It's probably fluky, to be honest with you folks. But they get, they grade every team in terms of penalties last year. And the Steelers are only ones that gets an A+. Plus. I mean, they were like the best in the league penalty-wise. And a lot of that you can, you know, determine. You, you draw these pass interference calls. You either get downfield or don't. You know, you're holding because you're getting beat, things like that. So the Steelers' profile highlights just how good a job Mike Tomlin did with this squad last year. There was a direct correlation between the decline in penalties and the winning record in the second half of 2022. Just another factor why people – that people could overlook for why the second half of the season went better than the first. It's not the main factor, but it sure helps. For a, to- for a team that's identity is a physical defense, to be one of the least penalized defense remains an impressive feat. The offense was effective at drawing penalties, despite having a rookie quarterback and wide receiver. So Pittsburgh finished the season very strong last year. And if some of these stats carry over to tw- 2023, this is a team that can make some noise in the stacked, in a, a stacked AFC. Again, it's just one phase of scouting the team that, you know, some of these underlying metrics to me are really important. And the Tomlins and Carrolls and Harbaugh's and Peytons of the world are usually good in these type of things. I mean, it's not things that analysts or a lot of people recognize, but it leads to wins, especially in close games. So that kind of stuff is important. I'm going to take a quick break, and then I want to talk a little bit more on a different note here about Steeler scoring and some some history that I think you guys will enjoy hearing about. Okay, I got this off the internet, and I forget where, whatever. But history shows that the Steelers are probably going to have more passing touchdowns this season and probably more scores in general. And here's a couple things to back that up. So during the second half of 2023, after weeks, you know, week nine by, so that's the big line of demarcation, as we know, delineation, whatever that word is, the Steelers ranked seventh in scoring rate per drive and third in yards per drive. That's not a typo, he says. You know, Only the Chiefs and Lions were ma- gaining more yards per drive from week 10 through week 17 than the Kenny Pickett-led Steelers. 
That's pretty crazy. I mean, after the bye, they were seventh in scoring rate per drive and third in yards per drive. It's pretty darn good. A lot of things went into that, like Pickett getting more reps and the Steelers' schedule softening up, no doubt. But Pittsburgh was much better offensively down the stretch. That could translate to the team being overvalued in fantasy football this year, sure, but it sadly didn't convert to a lot of passing touchdowns and for Pickett and company in 2022. We're very aware of that. The Steelers had 28 total touchdowns last year, and only 12 of them were passing ones, as we know. They were the anti-Buccaneers, who I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Only 13 teams since 2011 failed to get to 13 passing scores, and the Steelers were one of them last year. Clearly, that type of scoring ratio more than likely won't continue. The Steelers not only have plenty of weapons in the passing game, but the 20 team, there's 22 teams with a pass-to-rush touchdown rate below 50%. The average increase goes up 6.5%. I know that's super nerdy, but history shows it's not going to continue. And, and he finishes this, this analysis with, Pittsburgh has a very good chance to not just see more passing touchdowns, but they'll probably see more touchdowns too. And I remember this is actually from J.J. Zachary Reeson, who happens to be a Steeler fan, grew up in Pittsburgh, lives in North Carolina now, really good dude. He, um, But he is very statistically oriented as well. And there was a long chapter, this was just a part of it that I cut out, I forgot where I got it originally, talking about historic trends. And I mentioned the Bucks, like the Bucks were crazy high pass touchdowns versus run touchdowns, you know, and he uses it for fantasy. Maybe the, the, you know, the opposite of Deontay Johnson, the Tampa Bay running backs are bound to found the end, end zone much more next year than they did last year. You know, like these things come back to the mean. It's a huge fantasy football trend that not everyone recognizes. So chances are history shows that if you're one of these teams that's that lopsided, it almost always will come back and get better or get more even, I would say. And in general, history shows that the number of touchdowns a team like the Steelers with that profile will go up. So again, I thought that was some good news. Uh, all in all, pretty cheery podcast. Steelers are good in the penalty world. Steelers should expect to get more touchdowns. There you have it. Um, over and out. Take care. We will talk tomorrow. 